My friends, today to you, it's Joel here with the band for King and Country, and you are listening to On Fate's Edge with Joe Taylor. Keep it right here. In awe of time and eternity, that I was in the exact right place. <laughs> what a relief. What a sense of peace that came over me knowing that I was in the right place. I was right where God wanted me to be in all of time and eternity, that I was right in the right exact place in the center of his will. Thank you to Joel Smallbone for the introduction. Joel stars in the new movie Priceless, just released on Blu-ray and DVD. You can hear all about the movie Priceless and its important message from Joel himself at onfaithsedge.com slash 72. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 72. Hi, <laughs> welcome. Welcome to the 74th episode of On Faith's Edge. My name is Joe Taylor, recovering atheist and your servant in Jesus Christ. This is your place to hear conversations about God and living a life of faith in Jesus Christ. Today, we welcome back to the show, presidential impersonator, John Morgan. We discuss his new book, We're on Fear. John Travels is the face of President George W. Bush at events around the world, bringing joy and inspiration to millions of astonished people. John's show combines his hilarious but respectful impression of President Bush with a few famous George W. faux pas. Blend it with a mix of parody songs and finishes up with an inspiring message about hope and determination. He elicits heartfelt laughter from both sides of the political aisle. During today's conversation, John gives us a, just a tiny glimpse of his President Donald Trump impersonation. He gives us his thoughts on the presidential election. We, of course, talk about the new book, The War on Fear. Uh, we also talk about the paralyzation that fear brings and how to recognize unhealthy fear from healthy fear. He tells, a, he tells a really funny story about the attack of the lorikeet. John is very transparent when he talks about uh, how he dealt with the fear of being himself and God's perspective on a recent comedy club appearance. We talk about the launch of the John Morgan show at johnmorgan.tv. I do. I, I got to ask you this, man, because I saw your Facebook post, John. How's the how's the Donald Trump impersonation coming along? It's really fantastic. It's coming together very nicely. I and I have to say this: if I continue to work in the level that I've been working, pretty soon America will be great again. <laughs> very good, very good. It's, just, it's it's very rough. It still sounds way too much like John Morgan, but uh, you know, give me a give me six months or whatever, and we'll get the National Security Advisor in place. The pictures were fantastic, man. <laughs> really good. You've got the facial, at least in those two pictures, you have the facial expression down. You know, I, I, I'm still not convinced that I'm doing it, but in my mind, I know I can do it. So I don't think I've arrived, but I think that I will, if that makes sense. Sure. I don't want to be arrogant enough to say that I know, although I think I know, you know, it's, it's like that. Sure. At, at what point did you say, did you look at Donald Trump and I'll bet I can do him? That question, that wasn't the question. It was, it was, I gotta do him. Yeah. I, it was like all this. Yeah. He, he's giving away way too much to would be uh, impersonators out there to, to not do it. 
No doubt. You know, I, I don't know if I'll be able to ascend to the heights of uh, the former great Steve Bridges who um, just nailed George W. Bush before he went on to glory. Um, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I'm going to try to be the best out there that there is. Well, when it comes to uh, George W. Bush, you are certainly the best out there, John. I do have to ask, because of the business that you're in, you keep a unique perspective on politics. What are your thoughts on the recent election? I, I uh, had a very much evolving of President Trump. I was a flabbergasted when he first entered the race. I didn't know much about him. I'd never watched The Apprentice. And uh, I, I owned but had not read any of his books. So um, when I watched him taking, you know, cheap shots at everybody, I thought, that's not very classy, you know, for a guy who is so rich. I thought, gosh, you know, you'd think he'd have a little decorum, but he's got anything but. However, as the months and the seasons of the campaign wore on, he was knocking people off left and right. And uh, to my surprise, it came down to him and Hillary. And somewhere along the line, it occurred to me, oh, I see what he's doing. He's just knocking everybody off balance. In the meantime, making himself look like the knight in shining armor. You know, because he, he can argue like a five-year-old and get away with it because that's just who he is. But if anybody else tries to do it, they just look stupid. And how frustrating and so, was that for the whole field, including, including the election? How frustrating was that? You could tell. How was this guy getting away with it? Yes. But yes. That's, that may yeah. very well be his genius. To, exactly. That's to, uh, how he's negotiated all this time. To set people off balance, uh, underestimate him and his, uh, his abilities. We'll certainly see. You were last on the show on episode 24. If you want to hear John and his testimony, uh, in fact, that at that time, I think either that day or the day before your son had just given his life to Christ. So you were, you were fair. You were very excited about that. Uh, and we talked a little bit about your book, a little bit about, uh, uh, your book, my life is a Bush, my heart fermentating Jesus. And, uh, of course we gave a copy of that book away on that show. And, uh, here we are back. Uh, with uh, with your new book, War on Fear. Let's talk about War on Fear. What's the genesis of the book? Why did you write it? And uh, what's going on with it? Well, thank you, um, Joe. I was sitting in church in a worship service um, gosh, a number of years ago. We'll just say that. And I had this, I don't know if it was prompted by the, the lyric of the worship song that I was singing but all of a sudden I had this profound sense of loss, um, that unbelief, just the, the, the essence of unbelief had cost me a great deal, that the thief had caused me to not believe uh, the scriptures and the promises of the Bible and the, the goodwill and kind intentions of our Lord when uh, there would be a directive or a word or a, or a prompting of the Holy Spirit. And... And then a voice of dissent would come right along behind it and um, take it away and cause me to doubt God or, or doubt myself or, you know, 
doubt the person I was supposed to speak to, that they would reject me, whatever. But unbelief uh, had robbed me. And so I got really angry just sitting in uh, my church, standing actually during worship. And I, without even thinking, uh, but with great intention, said out loud, I declare war on unbelief. So that happened. And it, when I did it, it was like the atmosphere, atmosphere was electric. It, it, was, it was as though God heard me, that he said, it commissioned it, that he got behind me. And so I began to go after unbelief in my life. And a few months later, I was in my home. And all of a sudden, I became aware that fear was the other great enemy that had been stealing from me, that had been robbing from me, that had been keeping me from uh, my devotion to the Lord and to obeying his commands. And so out loud at home, I, I said, I declare war on fear. And I meant it. Uh, it was uh, profound to me. It was a big deal. And I began writing and studying and thinking and journaling about fear. And it wasn't long after that, Joe, then, that uh, I, I was in a, a, a church event and I watched an entire congregation unwilling to respond to an invitation that was clearly uh, a directive that, that they needed to respond to because of fear. It was like a wet blanket of fear just fell on that congregation. And nobody moved when people should have been raising their hands or standing up you know, to pray. And all the, and I and I I became aware I'm not the only person I mean of course I you know know that I'm not the only one dealing with fear but all of a sudden it was like this aha I'm at war with fear a fear isn't fought by one person it's fought by an army mm. and perhaps God is using me to spark anger at fear and unbelief but but uh, specifically for this book fear. So that they themselves as well will rise up and say, no more, no more. I'm not going to let this little imp fear keep me from the one who died on the cross for me, the one who loves me the most, the one who gave his life for me, the one who intercedes for me before the Father day and night, the one who lives in my own heart. I, I, we deny him and listen to his enemy, the enemy of his soul, the enemy of our soul, the, the core verse of the book is John 10.10. 10. And I like to share it with the positive first and then the negative. The second half of the verse says, and it's the, the, the words of Jesus, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. And I like to imagine if God Almighty is saying something is, life to the full, then, you know, my imagination goes pretty far into thinking that's a spectacular life. And that's what he came to give us. But the first half of the verse says, the thief comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. And he comes to kill, steal, and destroy that life, that abundant life that we're promised. And one of his, well, the only trick he has is thoughts that he presents to our mind. And he uses fear and he uses unbelief. So this is a book that is a, a practical, it, it's a study on how to overcome, how to recognize, first of all, when fear is trying to short circuit 
a directive from God or a, a, a tender moment between you and your Lord, um, or even short-circuit you from your own goals and dreams, your own desired ventures, uh, your own uh, attempts to reconcile a relationship. Fear comes in, you know? You, you have a great intention, and bam, fear is right there. Talk to you out of it. So it, the fearful thought pretends to be your friend. You know, it snuggles up to you and acts like it's protecting you from the big bad world outside. Uh-huh. But it's a deception. That's a good point, so, John. Hey, you, you, you talk about, you talk about, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you, you talk about uh, how fear, what did you say, snuggles up to you and, 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 and acts like it's protecting you uh, when it's, it's, it's doing nothing but paralyzing you. And, and this, this, this all came about from first you had a, first you had a, a, um, a, a moment, a serious moment of unbelief. And that's very apropos for this show, because I'm a recovering atheist. And, uh, that's my biggest struggle is, is, uh, the belief in God and the existence of God and, and actually dealing with that makes my faith stronger, but you had a moment of unbelief, uh, that you were working through and that unbelief sparked this fear. I don't know how long that, what the timeline was. Then, then you declared war on unbelief. You declared war on fear and, uh, and you needed to tell the world about it. How do you recognize, how do you recognize fear and the health, a healthy fear and a, an, un, uh, and a, and a, well, I don't know other, any other way to put it than a, a fear from the depths of hell. Yeah. Oh, you, you could call it just an unhealthy fear. You know, there's a, there's a quote in the book, fear can keep you from falling off a cliff, but it can also keep you from climbing a mountain. Mm. And there's truly a healthy fear. Uh, in fact, the beginning of wisdom, the Bible says, the very essence of wisdom is a fear. If you can believe that, the fear of the Lord, mm-hmm. a healthy respect, godly admiration and reverence uh, for the Lord, that's the fear of God. And it's, um, it's where fear should begin and really where fear should end. The, the way I recognize fear is fear is a feeling and it is presented to our minds as a wait, wait, wait. It's a hesitation. It's a, it's a feeling of uh, dread or uncertainty about a decision you're considering making, you're about to make um, a progression that you're about to make a, a forward movement that you're considering here comes along to talk you out of it straight up to talk you out of it. And that is uh, um, the way it has worked in the lives of people since the very beginning of the world. Uh, Cain was afraid that his uh, uh, sacrifice was not going to be acceptable to God. And he was angry and slew his brother over it. And um, Joseph's brothers were uh, angry and jealous of of Joseph, but also afraid that they were not going to get the love that they longed for from their father. So they sold Joseph into slavery. They're also afraid that they're also afraid that their little brother was going to rule over them. Oh, yes. Yes. They didn't think that they didn't want that. That's true. And there's many examples and many from my own life. I'm, I'm a bit of a storyteller, Joe, and, and uh, I, I tell myself a lot in the book. Um, 
with humorous examples of of uh, things that I have encountered that were uh, fear based that you know turned out okay I'm alive I'm still here I'm here to tell talk about it but things that could have short circuited my forward movement in a given area um, I, <laughs> I can give you an example that's not in the book because it's too new last Thursday my my wife and I took my uh, kids and their kids my our grandkids to the uh, zoo in Jacksonville, Florida. And they had this aviary cage with these uh, birds called lorikeets. Lorikeets are, they're smaller than a parakeet, you know, a little budgie, but uh, smaller than a big old parrot. But they do have that scary beak, you know, Mm -hmm. that's like a parrot does. It's pretty darn strong. Um, So we were in there, you know, and we were... I had two sitting on my hat. My hat was sitting in my hand. And all of a sudden, one of those birds reached up and grabbed a hold of the tip of my nose and tried to take it off. <laughs> I don't know why. But all of a sudden, I mean, it's like, oh, my gosh, this bird is attacking my nose. And, and uh, you know, and I, I was afraid to yank on the bird because, you know, he had such a grip on my nose. I was afraid I would pull the tip of my nose off myself. It was horrifying. And uh, finally, the zookeeper, you know, waved her arms and flailed around, and, and the bird let go. And uh, you know, I, I actually, and my nose started bleeding, and I had to put on a bandaid and go fill out a accident report. And uh, that night, I I wondered if I would lose my entire way of life because I thought that that thing was going to fall off, that I was going to be disfigured, and uh, that was going to be a big deal, and. Now, later that night, the more I thought about it, the, the, I was frightened. I thought about it. I thought, I am never going back in that cage again. Because now all of a sudden, I have an irrational fear. If I go back in that cage, those birds will bite me. Mm. And of course, now I have to go back in the cage. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in order to prove now. In, in six days, I'm, I'm very happy to say, by the grace of God and a very good dermatologist, it's completely, <laughs> my nose, my snaz, it's completely healed like it never happened. That's fun. But, um, but it was the birth of a new fear. And uh, that's, that's how it happens. It's like every time I think about it now, there's this little twinge in my, in, in my feelings that says, that's not safe, don't go in there. You know? And yet I know that people, that that's probably never happened before and it'll probably never happen again. And, you know, it's crazy. We talk about fear of public speaking. We talk about fear of dying. We talk about fear of terminal illness because my wife walked through a 30 year experience with hepatitis C. Um, and we talk about that, uh, cause she had to deal with that. And it's a very touching, um, real raw chapter. Um, you know, dealing with her experience. Um, talk about the, the fears my dad felt as he aged and what things that he had to deal with. We have a, a, a chapter on the fear of terrorism. You know, the book is called War on Fear, which, of course, being a George Bush impersonator, it's got that great play on words for the war on terror. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we deal with that in the book as well. There's also a disclaimer because I've never had PS, PTSD or forgive me for maybe getting that acronym wrong. Um, I've never been in military service. So I'm, I'm quick to say I'm, I'm not a PhD. I'm not a licensed counselor. 
I'm an observer and I'm a friend and I'm somebody who's talked with an awful lot of people, but I don't claim to be an, an expert in terms of a psychologist or anything like that. And yet, um, the book is very, 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 uh, practical, very fun to read. Um, if you go to Amazon and look at, and just read the reviews, the, they're all really excellent. I mean, people are, people are writing like two and three paragraph reviews on how the book has served them. So I'm, I'm very, very pleased here at the beginning of the book that, um, folks are finding it so, so fun to read and so helpful. Both, both this book and, um, your book, My Life as a Bush, My Heart for Imitating Jesus, are very autobiographical, of course, and very transparent. Why was this, was that important to you, John, to be so transparent? Um, I'm not sure if it was important as it is just who I am, you know? Uh, well, I guess, yeah, I, I guess it is important. I sp- and, and I talk a lot in, in the book about fear of rejection, uh, fear of insignificance and things like that, um, because that's what I dealt with for the first half of my life or the first third of my life. Um, I was so f- afraid of rejection that it was my operating paradigm. I, I didn't do things in the positive. I, I made all my decisions based on avoidance. What would hurt the least? Isn't that sad? Um, I, I went through the everyday ridicule that is common to a lot of people in grammar school. I was the, you know, the kid on the low, low end of the totem pole that, you know, was laughed at and mocked at and made to cry and, and all of this. And, and so, um, I remember, <laughs> I, re- I remember what it was like to just avoid people because it was just going to be bad news. And, uh, and when I came to know cry, and so I developed what happened reason I, 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 uh, the way I got out of that was I developed a personality that was cool and rough and phony. I, I wore masks, different masks, depending on who I was with. I, I, uh, as a, um, uh, as a, as a mechanism to avoid rejection, I, I created these images, these masks that I would wear. Um, all to avoid reality. And uh, because of all that ridicule, I had come to hate the real me and developed false fronts in order to just get by. Did a lot of drugs, a lot of sex, a lot of immorality, all just trying to soothe the self-loathing and self-hatred that was underlying my personality. And so when I came into a relationship with Christ, And um, over time, the Lord taught me about being a new creature and all things being passed away and all things becoming new. And then also I I started to learn that, uh, you know, kids are cruel to each other because they're having their own issues. It's not necessarily that I was such a a horrible person. Um, You know, a lot of it was just them trying to make their own way in the world. Uh, But it led to some pretty horrible sin in my life. Uh. So, so when I came into a relationship with Christ and came to feel the warmth and acceptance of his love, it freed me to be myself. And, uh, once, once I got freed in, uh, in that way so that I no longer felt like I had to 
uh, wear masks or be phony. Oh man, that felt so good. And it feels so good that, um, it's not that I really think about it or that I do it consciously, but I just, I refuse to go back there, you know, because mm-hmm. so empty, it's so empty living a life of pretending, you know, what, what, what fears did you struggle with the most? I can imagine just hearing that story. You, you, your biggest fear was what being yourself being exposed for the, the genuine John Morgan. It's, it's so interesting, John, because you know, you, you went through this, this uh, transformation of, of knowing who you are and knowing what you're all about and, and kind of getting over that. Uh, and I'm sure your faith played a role in it. We'll talk about that in, in just a second. And, and that gone it. What do you find yourself doing? You find yourself in a career where you're imitating somebody else. I know. Isn't that the craziest thing? I love it. <laughs> it's it's so ironic. It's um, I'm able to do it and be myself even when I'm playing George Bush. So it's really cool. It's I borrow his I borrow his countenance in order to share my faith or to share love or to share encouragement. You know, most of my uh, contacts are corporate, so I I can't. It's not appropriate, really, for me to 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 talk about my faith. But I do talk about love, and I do talk about reality, and I talk about warmth and 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 giving, and you know, uh, biblical concepts in a corporate world. Uh, and I think people who are looking can, yeah, I think, can see between the lines. How does your faith in Jesus Christ? in a, in a very real, uh, concrete way, uh, play a role in combating fear in a real practical way. Well, I can give you an example from the book. This, this was a, uh, one of my favorite stories, actually. Um, my, uh, my manager, uh, told me that I needed to perform in a comedy club. Well, that immediately sparked a fear that had been deep seated and longstanding, uh, the fear of rejection. Uh, in, in, in my mind, I thought those audiences will eat you up. They don't, they don't, uh, they don't, they're not generous. You know, I don't know. This may or may not be true, but in my perception, comedy club audiences, they don't laugh just to make you feel good. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, and this is this again, this may or may not be true. A lot of fears are, are not even reality based. They're just thoughts that get built up in our mind from who knows how, but they're there. Once they're there, they are your reality, even if they're untrue. And that's what the devil or fear. And, and, and I have to say the devil isn't at the, at the root of all fear. Some of it is just our physiology because think about it. Even dogs deal with fear animals, you know, uh, Part of it is just our makeup, and I talk a lot about that in the book as well, the difference between just the production of the chemicals that create fearful feelings in the amygdala, um, and, and again, not being an expert, but I can give an overview of it. But so, comedy club. So he set up this opportunity for me to appear at a very well-known, very, very well-known comedy club in L.A. And man, I'm like... <laughs> really do I have to do this? Um, but I knew I was writing this book. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought, 
this is God's in this. I have to do it. Um, and uh, you know, so typically I'm not really afraid of public speaking. I, I love getting on stages and I love meeting audiences and I love, uh, the, the privilege of sharing with folks. But in this situation, I was, um, apprehensive. I'll use that word. I was scared. Uh, I was, I was excited, but scared at the same time. Um, one of the things that made it a little easier was knowing that God was in it. And, um, so I was standing behind the curtain waiting to be introduced in about three minutes. The, uh, I was the first act out. The host was introducing the evening and, um, all of a sudden I have this thought, why don't you ask me for my perspective came to my mind. Now, obviously, being that it was a question asked in the first person, it had to have been God. Mm-hmm. Why would I? Why would I be asking myself my own perspective? You know what I mean? And that's one of the things that I like to talk about is how you can tell when God's talking to you. And uh, so, so it was the Lord. Why don't you ask me for my perspective? And I'm sitting there going, "Oh yeah, what a great idea!" You know. So I said, "Lord, what do you want me to know?" about myself, about this moment right now, right here in real time when I'm about to step into this horrific, fearful moment. And, and God told me three things that served me that night amazingly well and really, frankly, have served me ever since. Number one, he told me that he is love, his name is love, and that he loves me that his love is eternal. It is deeper than the deepest ocean is higher than the highest heaven. And it is mine that it is mine to enjoy, to bask in, to own. And that he who loves me is with me. He said, you won't be standing on that stage alone. That's number one. And I'm telling you, I, I did a deep sigh right there. It, it took a lot of the stress away, just knowing he's with me. He's with me. He's in me. Oh, my gosh. That's so exciting. And number two, he told me that in all of time and eternity, that I was in the exact right place. And I thought, oh, what a relief. What a sense of peace that came over me knowing that I was in the right place. I was right where God wanted me to be in all of time and eternity, that I was right in the right exact place in the center of his will. And number three, he said, the same love that I have for you, I have for each and every member of that audience. And I want you to love them. Wow. I want I want you to let me love them through you. And Joe, it, it, it turned my entire perspective around. All of a sudden, I was fine. I was drenched in his presence. I was as happy as I've ever been. And I couldn't wait for the curtain to open so I could give, not take, not receive, give to this audience. And I'm telling you, bro, it changed everything. You know, it, it, what's, cool? what, what's, what's cool about that story is, is this could have, this, this could have easily happened in, 
and it may have happened to you in, in, in another circumstance in a church setting or in a setting where you're, you're around other believers, but let's face it, you're in a comedy club and, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not sure what, what the comedy club was, but if it's any, anything like the comedy clubs I've, I've been to, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it can be fairly world worldly. And, um, and you you stepped out on that stage just drenched in God's presence, uh, and 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 you are there to serve His purpose in this place in a comedy club. That is very cool, man. And God was with me, and although I never mentioned His name, I think you could feel it. And uh, He helped me just completely nail that performance. It was awesome. The audience absolutely was with me. They, I mean, they laughed at all the right places and even some new ones. It was just <laughs> a delightful experience. What fears, uh, what fears do you struggle with most, John? Well, I'm, I'm about to launch a podcast and I'm, I'm scared out of my mind. Uh, so that's what I'm dealing with right now. The, the fear that my, um, sloppy, uh, attitude and my laziness will keep me from being disciplined and diligent as I launch this podcast with a regular schedule. And, uh, I, I, I know that it'll be okay, you know, because, uh, muscle memory kicks in and you, you, it becomes a routine and, and, you know, it's, it's like, I feel the fear of it, but I know better than to allow that fear to dictate, um, my behavior. You know, I know that it's not true. So it's, it's, uh, but it's, it's the craziest thing right now. It's, I'm, I'm very afraid to uh, launch this thing. What's the, what's the show going to be about? Do you know well, yet? it's called the gone. It's called the John Morgan show. And it's going to, uh, be a humorous look at current events. Okay. Uh, there'll be some, there'll, there'll be some George W in it <laughs> and, uh, maybe some, you know, uh, I'm sure some Donald Trump and uh, as well, some guests, some interviews uh, right now, because the book war on fear is so, uh, so current. We'll talk a lot about that. We'll talk about uh, what's going on in the world and uh, observations. Um, my co-author is a, well, he's just an absolutely dear, dear friend. Uh, we've had a 30 year friendship. Uh, he and his wife, my wife and I, uh, are just uh, best of friends, and um, he—he's um, the reason why the book is intelligible, and uh, <laughs> he, he's going to be my uh, my sounding board, my uh, my host, and my uh, uh, I guess co-anchor, if you will, of the podcast, Joel Balin. And uh, whenever we, whenever I'm at, staying at his house, or, or vice versa, when when we hang out together, we wind up laughing all the time. And uh, we make these wacky, you know, observations and we get these illuminations and we're constantly saying, we should share this with the world. Yeah. So we're going to. Yeah. What? So that's, that's basically what it's going to be about. Uh, launch date, it should be within the next 30 days on the Charisma Broadcast Network, Chris, okay. Charisma Podcast Network, CPM. And it will also be hosted on my site, johnmorgan.tv. Not there yet. But it will be shortly. I can't wait for the show, John. You have a unique perspective. 
Uh, and I, and, uh, I'm really, really excited for you, John, as, as we wrap up, how do you hope the reader has changed after reading war on fear? I, I, I hope to create a groundswell of a foundational change in the church where our entire mindset of the church worldwide is that we are at war with fear. I was a prisoner and many of your listeners right now are prisoners of war. You are prisoners of fear, but you're called to be an abundant, victorious overcomer. And what effect should that have on you? It should make you angry because there is absolutely no reason for you to be a prisoner of fear. None at all. There are, I've been told this, I haven't actually looked it up, 365 times in the Bible where it says something to the effect of, be not afraid. One for every day of the year. And God does not want us afraid of anything other than the fear of the Lord. And we are called to look like him, to act like him, to live like him in this world. And so my hope is that the church will rise up I, not behind me. I don't care. You know, this has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the advancement of the kingdom and the church looking like Jesus Christ in this world. Once we get fear behind us, we go after unbelief. Those two enemies conquered, and the war, the church will be so victorious. The book is called War on Fear by the talented, inspiring, and downright funny John Morgan. God bless, brother. God bless you too, my friend. John's website is johnmorgan.tv, and The War on Fear is available at amazon.com. These links, as well as all the other links mentioned today, can be found in today's show notes at onfaithsedge.com slash 74. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 74. Well, that'll wrap up today's show. Thank you to John Morgan for being with us today, and thank you for listening. You mean a lot to me, and you mean a lot to the show. Remember, God is real. He loves you, and so do I. God bless. Thank you for listening to On Faith's Edge. You can subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher Internet Radio, or your favorite podcast app on Android, Apple, or Windows devices. To reach out to Joe or leave comments about the show, visit onfaithsedge.com. You're important to us and we would love to hear from you.